Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Allie. Thanks, Jesse. Hi, I'm Allie. I am a compulsive overeater and a very, very grateful member of this program. Hello, family. And it is so good to be home. Um, I came into this program seven and a half years ago um, on my knees and um, my life just looks completely different today um, than it did when I first walked in. And um, congratulations to the chip takers and to, um, I feel like I need to hide myself. <laughs> um, okay, congratulations to the chip takers um, and all the newcomers because you are the, the lifeblood of um, this program. Sorry, this is, my view is kind of, I'm freaking me out. Um, anyway, so yeah, where do we get? I feel like I'm a little nervous, so I'm just gonna take a moment and um, just ask my higher power to speak through me um, because I have I have no new ideas. Everything that I um, have to offer is just my own experience, strength, and hope, and everything that. I have to say, I've learned from you guys in, in these rooms. Um, and when I first came into this program seven and a half years ago, um, I came in just completely on my knees. I was spiritually, morally, um, financially bankrupt in, in every way. And um, I came in off of um, a severe heartbreak and multiple suicide attempts. And um, today I am about to get married in 10 months and, um, and I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle of this program. And um, this program is magic. And if you don't believe in miracles, just look at all of the boxes on your screens because we are swimming in miracles. We truly are. And I say this to my sponsees all the time that I truly believe that we're the lucky ones. And I'm so, so grateful that I have this thing because I get to be here and I get to have this. And if I didn't have this, I wouldn't know how to, I wouldn't know how to live. And I didn't know how to live before I came into this program. And every day, that I'm, that I keep coming back, that I choose to keep coming back to this program. I feel like I'm on borrowed time. It's like bonus time that I get in my life because left to my own devices and left to the devices of my disease, I absolutely would not be here. And it's, it's just a miracle. So, um, I want to talk about my experience, strength and hope through the lens of the steps, because that's what this program um, is based on and that's where the recovery is. So um, the first step is that we admitted that we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. And um, I 
I came into this program knowing that I was powerless over food um, and powerless over the way that I thought. And I just didn't know that other people had this thing too. Um, I mean, my whole life I was overweight and um, went on my first diet when I was 13, lost all the weight, had some sexual trauma, gained all of the weight back, um, was diagnosed with obesity when I was 16, like, and then went to college and started doing some recreational drugs to try and keep the weight off and, you know, cheated on my boyfriend and got in trouble and banished myself to the gym so that, you know, I lost all of this weight and I finally got the guy of my dreams. And in that moment, it was really the only time where the food wasn't um, an issue. And um, when we moved to LA, I thought that that was it for me, that I went to college to get my MRS and um, that wasn't the case. And he ended up breaking up with me and my whole world just came crashing down and everything went from bright colors to black, to black and gray. And um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't function, I couldn't survive. And um, the food just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, I ended up, I mean, it was always pretty, um, I was always sneaking food. I was always secret eating, but it got to a point where um, I was just eating like three meals for every single meal um, of the day and like going to drive-throughs and, um, and then going home to my roommate and saying, oh, like, let's have dinner together and hiding all of my, you know, the remnants of my binges and all of that, that we've all done. And um, it just came to, there was a day where I just went to a commercial diet program and was like, okay, I'm going to take control of this one more time. And the scale was just astronomical. And um, I went home and had, um, a suicide attempt and it wasn't the first, but it was gonna be the last. And God just had bigger plans for me than I did. And when I woke up in the emergency room, I, um, I was furious. I was furious that I was still alive because I just couldn't do it anymore. I, could, I didn't want to have another, I didn't wanna go on another diet. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I hated myself so, ruthlessly, so furiously that I just didn't want to go on. And the first thought that I had when I woke up in the ER was, okay, they're going to put me on a 5150 hold. They're going to send me to psych and they're going to control my food. So this is my chance. Like this is my chance to get skinny. That was where the depths of my disease took me, that that was the first thought that I had when I woke up from attempting suicide at the age of 25. Um, and sure enough, I did not lose weight <laughs> in psych. I gained weight and I just couldn't understand why I just couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop eating no matter what I did. And it was always, you know, the last supper. I'm gonna have the last supper tonight because tomorrow I'm gonna go on a diet and I'm gonna be good for the rest of my life and I'm gonna lose weight and I'm gonna be skinny and then I'm gonna, everything's gonna be perfect. And I'm gonna get the guy and get the job and get the apartment and everything's gonna be great. And we all know that that's not the way that it works. And so um, when I got out, I, 
stumbled into these rooms listening to my mom and who wants to listen to their mom. But she was like, why don't you try away? Like you have nothing to lose. And I really had nothing to lose at that point. Um, I was sleeping for like 14 hours a day and I was just absolutely miserable. And I came into my first meeting and it was a Tuesday night women's meeting at Mount Olive at the time. And um, there were just so many like fun and cool girls in there and everyone looked so happy and everyone was hugging each other and I was new. So everyone was like, oh my God, you're new. We've never seen you before. Like, welcome. And I was like, oh my God, everyone's so nice. This is so great. And the speaker, and I had no idea what to expect. And I just heard the speaker sharing about how she would call in fat. She would call in fat to things. And how she would try on everything in her wardrobe and nothing would fit. And so she wouldn't show up and how she was late to things because she had to stop and get food and she missed things because of her food. And she would draw the blinds and um, and rustle the the garbage of, you know, to hide the remnants of her binge and how she would go to the dumpsters and throw out the remnants of her binge so that nobody would know and she would secret eat and this and that and how she would get huffy when she walked up the stairs and the way that she spoke to herself. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Like I do this stuff too. And I had no idea I just had no idea that other people did these things or said these things or thought these things that that I thought and felt my whole life. I mean, the way that my eating disorder talked to me was so visceral, like you're disgusting. You're a monster. No one will ever love you. This like angry voice and by the incredible grace of this program and through the grace of working these steps, that is not how I talk to myself anymore. And that is not how my higher power talks to me. I am so precious. We are so, so precious. And that's something that I always hold on to is, you know, today it's not you're awful, you're this and this visceral. It's like, I know, I know. I know you're hurting and I know it's gonna be okay. And I love you no matter what. And that's my higher power talking to me and learning like what the different voices in my head were, how there's my eating disorder and there's my like compulsive overeating disease and there's my soul self and there's my higher power. And I have this like itty bitty committee in my head. And I also have my friends and my fellows and my sponsor and all of these people that I don't have to do anything alone anymore. I have perspectives that I can bounce things off of people and, um, and consult with my higher power, which is the greatest gift of this program. Um, and so um, I started embarking on the steps and uh, when I went into number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. God was a dirty word when I came into this program. Um, 
I did not like God. I did not believe in God. And I was very much so of the idea of, you know, where was God when this happened? Where was God when that happened? Why did God, you know, make this happen? Why did God make me fat? Why did God this, this, and this, and this? And I was angry at God, you know, screw you, God. And, um, I just had to act as if, and I had to start praying to a God that I didn't believe in. And for a while, it was the power of the group. And it was just praying to not me. I would write letters to dear, not me. Like, as long as I'm not the one in charge, it can be anyone or anything else. It just couldn't be me. And I started looking for God and I started gathering this sober evidence of willingness. And just the fact that I was sleeping for like 14 hours a day, couldn't stop binging my brains out. And then all of a sudden coming into this program, hearing everyone's experience, strength and hope and knowing that I'm not alone and feeling a part of, and then having the willingness to get up in the morning and go to the gym and then go to Hill Street in the meet in the morning and then go work a full day and go and do step work at night and have my food be safe, sane and sober was, that was a miracle. And that was evidence enough for me at the time to be like, okay, there's something, like there's something here. And And, and I started listening to everyone else's idea of what their higher powers were. And I, you know, started borrowing other people's higher powers because I didn't know what mine was. And um, my late and great friend Hope in this program, she would always say that my higher power loves me so much that he can't take his eyes off of me. And that is my higher power today. My higher power loves me so much that he can't take his eyes off of me. Because the God that I grew up with was this God that like, you know, was, it was this pie in the sky guy who was like waving his finger up over the clouds at me. You're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong. And that, and I didn't like that guy. Like, I don't need that guy. Like the, the person who, the thing, whatever it may be, the power that is greater than me just loves me so much and has this great grand lesson plan for me of just the timing unfolds in his time, not mine. And all of this was, was a journey to, to come to. It did not happen overnight, but it was, it was truly a journey of gathering evidence that um, there was something. And it was even things like butterflies that would fly across you know, my pathway in the middle of a city, like a butterfly should not be there, or even like the parking spot that just shows up or, you know, whatever they were. And sometimes I would call them like God winks or like God kisses and, you know, just looking up at the sun and just feeling, just feeling like God was kissing my cheeks and God was holding my hand. Um, it was just such a comfort and such a love. It was just this warm feeling that like, I'm okay. I'm okay today because at my core, that was always what my issue was, was that I am not okay and that I am not enough and that I am either too much or, or I'm not enough. 
And through working the steps, um, I really came to find out that I am okay and I am enough and I was always okay and I was always enough. I just really needed to be able to see that for myself because I mean, my head is a real dangerous neighborhood to walk around in alone, I'll tell you. And thank God that nobody sees me the way that I used to see myself. Thank God. And so when I moved on to step three, made a decision to turn our well and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Um, that was a hard one. That was a super hard one because I because I was believing, I was praying to this God that I didn't really believe in, but I, but it was just like, okay, God, like, show me. Okay. Like, let's do this. It's up to you. It's your will. It's your will. And at that point in program, um, when I did my first third step, it, I had started to lose a lot of weight and, um, developed anorexia and an exercise addiction. And I didn't know what that looked like because I'm a compulsive overeater and I could never stop eating. So when I came into program and I was just struck abstinent and struck willing and I was going to the gym all the time and my food was, you know, when I first came into program, my abstinence was um, no, no binging, no seconds and no fast food because I couldn't stop eating and I was eating fast food like crazy. Um, so that's what it was. And when my food went to very, very tiny to very, very minimal and skipping meals and only having shakes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and like just um, stuff that wasn't nourishing my body, I um, started to really hurt myself. And I was fainting at every um, gym in Southern California. And it was really apparent that um, I was not in God's will. I was, I was in my will. And I started to develop um, uh, anxiety around other people's foods, around other people's food behaviors. I developed severe fear foods of my own. Like I would go into the grocery store and I would have panic attacks because I thought that if I walked down the bread aisle that the bread would jump off the shelf and like stick onto my butt, like crazy stuff. And so at that point, I got a little bit more outside help. And when I went to the outside help, there was this picture on the wall that said, my weight doesn't equal my worth. And I was just like, oh my God, like, oh my God, I never knew that. And that was my baseline. That was my baseline of my entire life. If I was thin, I was the best thing in the whole world. If I was overweight, I couldn't even look you in the eye because I was such a monster and I, and I couldn't, I didn't have the, I didn't deserve to look you in the eye because I was so terrible and my weight did equal my worth. And so to see that was the most illuminating thing um, in the whole world. And it was such a, a transitional moment. And at that point, um, 
my sponsor had me do my third step again <laughs> because I was certainly in my will and um, not in my higher powers. So um, I, at that point, I um, redefined my abstinence because at the end of the day, this program is not one size fits all. This program is really based upon like what works for us. What is my bottom line? What are the things that take me out of my life? What makes me not be able to participate in this incredible life that my higher power has gifted to me? As many times as I tried to take it away from myself, he was like, uh-uh, girlfriend, you're not done here. Like you're here to stay and show up, just show up. I'm taking care of the rest. So. I redefine my abstinence to um, three meals a day, two optional snacks with life in between. And my plate, and I get one plate, my plate can be as big or small as I want it to be, but I get one plate. And that's been working for me for the last five years. I have five years of continuous abstinence and it doesn't look perfect and it doesn't look pretty all the time. And there are certainly struggles but um, I get to keep practicing that one day at a time. And that was like, that's, it's huge. Um, Cause it's hard <laughs> because I'm a compulsive reader and I want to eat all the things. And when the, you know, when the cravings come I really need to pick up the tools. I need to tell somebody what I'm thinking and what I want to do so that I don't do it and make commitments around my food and my food behaviors. So, um, that's what that turned into looking like. And then uh, my first fourth step uh, made a decision, uh, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So I was pretty excited to do my first fourth step <laughs> because I was like, I had all of these secrets. I had all of these like really gnarly secrets and all of these resentments and, you know, I always had to be the best or the worst. And so I like took all of this, uh, you know, 45 pages of, you know, just all of the worst things that I've done um, to my sponsor. And it probably took like, oh my God, like seven or eight sessions to, to go through everything. God bless. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and and just telling her all of these like deep, dark secrets of all these terrible things that I've done, the way that I've treated men and treated, you know, myself and this and that and who I resent. And I'm like, aren't I such a terrible person? Aren't I such a monster? And she's like, no, like you're a composable reader and like we've all done this stuff. So, you know, keep going. And I was like, what? Like you're you're still going to sit here and you're still going to like be in front of me and not like say, I'm never going to talk to you again. You're, you're a mess. Get out of here. And it was just such a pivotal moment of like, maybe I'm okay. Like maybe I just might be okay if you think that I'm okay. And like, you're hearing, you're hearing all of like the, the dirtiest, deepest, darkest stuff. And you're still here it was this moment of trust, of trust, which, you know, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs and just practicing that principle of integrity. Like I did all of this stuff. I did all of this stuff. And 
having it be okay. And so that was the first time that I did my fourth step. And then the second time that I worked the steps, I did it in a workshop and um, did it the, the columns way. And like it is in the big book. And it was really informative to be able to really see on a sheet of paper what my part was in things and how, you know, I have expectations of people that I was judgmental of people that I had greed, that I was selfish, that I was self-seeking, that, um, you know, that, that I have so much fear and what does that look like? And, and to, to have humility and look at what's my part in it was, um, really humbling and, um, going into my sixth step was really the step that kind of shifted everything for me because I got real honest in my sixth step and looked at the fact that I was really judgmental and that, um, I was egotistical and, um, you know, that just all of these things that I, um, that were really ugly for me to, to look at. And when I did it the second time, I, I had uh, two sides of the paper and I looked at what these character defects did um, to me and what they did for me. And to be able to see like why I did the things that I was doing and then um, and what I was losing by con continuing to do them was so helpful to be able to kind of have that juxtaposition of like, this is what I lose from doing this. And this is why I've been doing it for so long. Um, and so then um, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. So step seven is actually my very favorite step. And at first, when I did it the first time, I'm like, okay, step seven, I'm just going to say this prayer and like, let's move on to step eight so that I can like say, I'm sorry to everyone. And um, over the years in program, step seven has really become the pause and pivot step for me. And that's where so much of my recovery um, stems from because at the end of the day, it's about, I mean, this program has changed me on a cellular level. Like everything that I've learned in this program has gradually become a working part of my mind. It truly has. And, um, you know, when there's a character defect that comes up for me today, I pause, I pause, like I don't take action. And I used to be the most impulsive person the most impulsive and because I can't stay in discomfort. I couldn't stay in discomfort before. I just needed to do anything to get out of the discomfort and to, to make ever, all of the feelings go away because my feelings were just, so, I'm such a sensitive person. Us addicts, we're, sen we're sensitive people and feeling my feelings on such a large, grandiose scale, it was just too much for me. I couldn't handle it and I didn't know how to handle it at the time. And, um, and so today I, I pause and I ask God, like, what would you have me do? What would you have me be? What would you have me say? And I, I recognize the character defect that's popping up. And the question is, what's the opposite action? 
And I asked myself today, like, what's the recovered thing to do? What's the godly thing to do? Um, and the godly thing to do is practicing these principles in all of our affairs, the principles of honesty, of hope, of faith, of courage, of integrity, willingness, humility, love, discipline, patience, perseverance, awareness, and service. Those are the principles that I live by today. Um, and then going into step eight, um, made a list of all the persons that we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. The first time that I did my step eight, I had a very long list of people, most of which were men that I felt that I owed an amends to or an apology to for not reciprocating, um, one for just using them, using and abusing them. And because I was so heartbroken by my ex-boyfriend um, that I wanted to get back at the entire male race. Everybody was gonna pay for what he did to me. <laughs> and, and so um, I had just used and abused men for most of my twenties and led men on and, but really what's- 10 so minute warning. Thank you. What so much of that had stemmed from um, was, was my own self-worth issues, that I wasn't enough and that I needed them to make me feel okay. And it was at that point that my sponsor told me that I don't have to apologize to anyone for not reciprocating romantic feelings. And that was severely illuminating to me um, because I didn't know that and that, um, I, that I have integrity too and the dignity of, of choice that I have today. Um, and then in um, my ninth step, I actually made amends to, to that ex-boyfriend who broke my heart and owned my part in everything that I did and apologized for you know all of the things. And it was really the time that I recognized that there was nothing that I did wrong and there was nothing that he did wrong. And it was just not a match. You know, and that was the one of the biggest things that I learned was that I didn't ever need to change for anybody and no one needed to change for me. If I wasn't a match for someone, we just weren't a match. I didn't, I don't need to change and they don't need to change. You know, like God always had my person and he was just waiting for me to be ready for him and for him to be ready for me. And that is so the truth. My fiance and I today, like, oh my God, the timing of everything. It, it's, it's truly, it's all God. It's all God. Um, and then sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. This is the umbrella prayer of God, show me. Show me what to do, show me what to say. Because when I came into program, I had a Santa Claus God. God, give me this, give me that. Um, and that's not the prayer today. It's God, what would you have me be? Show me. And I like to play this game with God of yes and. God tells me and or gives me signs of you know where to go, what to do, and how to keep coming back. And I just show up and I turn it over and I'm like, okay, God, yes, yes. And 
Um, because at the end of the day, God only has three answers to any question that I have. It's always yes, yes, but not right now, or no, because I have something better. And that something better might come 10 years later between the time that my ex-boyfriend broke up with me and I'm engaged to this incredible man right now. It's 10 years, but God had something so much better, so much better. Um, so I'm so grateful for that. And then having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And at the end of the day, that's all we're promised in this program. I'm just promised a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And that's what I got. That is certainly what I got. And all of the cash and prizes and the really fancy jobs and the wonderful relationship and the living in all of these different amazing places and states and countries and travel and, you know, learning how to love myself and how to take care of myself and learning how to grow up in this program and how to be of service. Those are the cash and prizes that I get from having a spiritual awakening as the result of, of working the steps because there's no elevator to serenity. That's why we take the steps. So um, I'm just so grateful for, for my recovery. I'm grateful for this family and that this is truly the, the greatest gift of, um, of, of this pandemic, you know, like that I get to be home and that I get to be here with you all the way in Boston. <laughs> um, I got my recovery um, in LA and by the grace of, of God, my fiance and I reconnected after 10 years and um, he was in New York and I went, I just had to take a chance. And so I went and two years later we're engaged and we're getting married in 10 months and um, here I am and I just get to keep showing up and I just get to keep having faith and I just get to keep saying yes and and practicing these principles in all of my affairs. So I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to carry the message on this platform because this podcast and this meeting is, is where God is for me. And I hold it in such high regard and um, I'm so grateful. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Allie. Do questions. Okay, awesome. So we have about five minutes for questions. So if you do have a question, please feel free to raise your hand in the reaction section and you can ask your question. There's one question, one hand up. Oh, I don't see it, but uh, okay, yes. Um, Lisa. Hi, can you hear me okay? I can. Um, thank you for the wonderful, wonderful lead. Um, I, I just, I was wondering if you could share um, about how you um, handle fear like with big issues outside of yourself, like the environment, politics, the drought, although you're not in California, um, how you handle these big issues, because I find them very triggering, especially right now. Um, how, how do you handle big fear? Sure, thanks for the question. Um, 
I don't believe that God does any of this stuff. And it's all, it always goes back to my higher power and my, my faith in, in my higher power. And I don't believe that God does any of this. I, I believe that God carries me through the hard things. Um, I've gone through some loss in my family recently, and um, that's bigger than me. And I don't believe that God took these people. I believe that God is here loving me through, through those losses. And God is, you know, is holding my hand and God is kissing my cheeks and God is telling me it's okay. And you're going to be okay. And I'm going to take care of you no matter what. That's how I deal with the bigger fear things. And I always, and I also do spot checks, um, instantly of, okay, let's look at everything in my life right now today. What do I have control of? What don't I have control of? And am I okay? Do I have food on my table? Do I have a roof over my head? Do I have warm clothes on my body? Like, am, am I okay right here, right now? And that's a lot of how I deal with the bigger fear things, because at the end of the day, I need to, I need to lovingly detach too, because if I can't control it, I mean, I can't control anything. It's all up to God, you know, and I just have to have faith that I'm going to be okay and that I'm going to be taken care of. So that's how I deal, deal with big fear. Thank you. Thanks, Sally. Um, okay. Uh, we have time for one very, very quick question. Nancy? Nancy Beecham, compulsive overeater, 45 years in program, 150 pounds down. Allie, magnificent share. Would you, because there's so many newcomers, would you touch a bit about, because this is a spiritual program, about what you do every day to be able to trust God, what your program is? You know, the things that, not the tools, but what you do every morning, what you read, who you call. And also, could you, for the old timers, touch a little on service, because I didn't hear you mention that. Thank you. So um, daily, I pray every day. So I wake up and I always listen to a meeting. Um, there's a daily morning meeting that I go to. And so I listen to that every morning on my way into work and I share when I can. Um, when we were in person, service was a very, very big part of my life. Um, now that we're on Zoom and I work a lot, it's not as I'm not as able to, um, to be of service on a larger basis. Um, but other ways that I am of service uh, is that I sponsor. And I used to sponsor a lot of women. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a huge part of my program. And um, I connect with my sponsor, not on a daily basis, but but pretty much by daily. Um, and, and I pause and before I go into work every single morning, I have my hand over my heart and I say, God, show me how to be of service today. Show me what to do. Show me what to say. Show me how to be. Allow me to have patience and compassion um, and to act with love and dignity and integrity with everything that I do and everything that I say. And that is something that I say every single day when I go into work and on the weekends, um, I say that too to deal with my fiance too. <laughs> so thanks for the Allie. question. Thanks, Allie. That's all the time we have. I'm turning it back over to Jesse. Thanks, 